0: The information expressed in the following podcast is intended for educational purposes only and was created by and belongs solely to Believe Limited and the Flow podcast, and does not necessarily reflect the views of our sponsors. Please speak to your healthcare provider before making any medical decisions.
1: Hi, I'm Jessica, and welcome to Flow. I'm here, as always, with Sarah Watson, sex therapist, and today we have the sex evangelicals. That's right. You heard me, right? You're going to hear more very soon, but first, we all want to know, how's your flow? It's like really slow music, but we like to dance. Like, it's like- <laughs> Welcome once again to Flow. We start off Flow with a little check-in to normalize the reality of menstruation. We're just going to let you know how we're all flowing, starting with Sarah.
2: I have no idea what's happening. Usually I know, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't Because know. I, I just, I don't know. I went to the, the gynecologist today, I'll tell you that. That was a delight this morning. I love her. I just went back to my old doc and she like gave me a hug. So it was a great day with me and my vulva. So so I think I'm like, I think I'm luteal, but you know, I've been traveling and stuff, so I don't know what's going on. Interesting travel. Travel does
1: disrupt the normal flow we find collectively. Everyone's nodding for those listeners. Mm -hmm. Those of us who menstruate are nodding. Travel changes things. Yes. Being in one place changes things. I've been... Mm -hmm on this show continually luteal this is the first time i think i'm follicular so i know there's a slight difference Mm -hmm. i can like reach a higher register with my voice i don't know i feel like hormonally a little bit more up up and right i love that and julia how are you flowing
0: well my breasts are throbbing and i'm ovulating all right.
1: What? Wow. Telltale sign. Yes. yes.
0: I made the mistake of going to a spin class with a sports bra that wasn't tight enough. And oh, spin no. isn't even as um, high impact as running, but even the ups and the downs was quite uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, well, you're definitely ovulating and rookie mistake. You got to wear the tight, supportive ones when you're ovulating.
2: I say all the time. like That's
0: true. That's true. Right?
2: But definitely during ovulation, but even like any kind of thing. Oh, just keep them. Just, I don't want to moving around when I'm exercising.
0: Right. Right. And a little yeah. bit more fatigued than typical, a little mm-hmm. crampy. so. Mm. Uh, I don't like to take it easy, but uh, I have needed to ramp down some things over the past couple of days.
1: Now, you said throbbing as opposed to tenderness. And just because listeners always like to dissect symptoms, can you describe the difference? Like, is it tender versus a throb?
0: I would say when I menstruate, it is more tender. When mm-hmm. I ovulate, it feels like a pulsating almost mm. and like a heaviness more than a sensitivity. But like the heaviness feels like a bruise.
3: Ooh.
2: Yeah,
1: that
0: makes sense. That makes sense completely.
1: What Mm -hmm. a lovely articulation of the experience of menstruation. And just like Mm -hmm. the experience of menstruation, the experience of sex is not often talked about. But luckily today on Flow, we're going to talk about the sex education the church didn't want you to have. But first, we're going to take this quick break.
2: This ad is brought to
0: you by Von Vendi, Von Willebrand
2: Factor Recombinant. Hi, my name is Nicole. I didn't always feel empowered to speak up for myself or ask for the care and support I needed. Becoming part of a community and hearing other people's experiences helped to change my perspective. That's why my deciding factor is making my voice heard. To hear my story and access other helpful resources, drop by Von Vendi, that's V O N B E N D I, dot com slash patient dash stories.
1: Welcome back. Here we go. Today, you have Jessica, Sarah, your flow hosts, and we have Julia and Jeremiah, Boston-based sexvangelicals. Find them online. That's S-E-X-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-A-L-S. They offer resources online, including how to prepare to leave a fundamentalist community. We four have been talking about making this conversation happen now for months. We are so excited to be sitting down with you. Thanks again for flowing with us today, Julia and Jeremiah.
0: Yay. Thank you. It's it's this is exciting.
1: And Jeremiah, just we can hear your voice a little bit more on the podcast too. Can you tell us what your thoughts are on jumping on a menstrual podcast? Yeah.
3: So, know? so it's funny. I had a meeting today uh, for a conference that I'm working on and uh, one of four people, the other three people all menstruate. And I was just checking in and I was saying, uh, you, you know, I'm on this podcast later today and I've been like, doing some research on the uh, intersection of uh, religion and religious history and menstruation, and I told them, you know, I might drop like one or two just like random facts, uh, but but mainly like I'm going to sit back, shut up, and like let uh, women talk about the process of menstruation or, or people who are menstruating talk about the process of menstruation because men talk way too much about that and don't know what the hell's going on. And one of the people said, actually, Jeremiah, I'd encourage you strongly not to do that. Mm. Uh, because we need more men talking about menstrual health. We need more men talking about and understanding the process of menstruation. Uh, so that was, that was encouraging.
2: Yes.
3: Uh, yeah. Thankful for, thankful for that conversation. And Julia, you've re- reinforced that idea in uh, prepping for this podcast as well. So
0: I really appreciate when either men or people who don't menstruate, uh, engage conversations about menstruation in a really matter of fact kind of way or elicit dialogue about it. I I think that's a feminist move. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Yes. It's very powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You're here on purpose, Jeremiah. We want you to be part of this convo for sure, particularly right. yes. as you, you too, Jeremiah and Julia, your expertise in understanding and Dissecting, um, departing from what the church might have to say about sex education and finding your own path to do the work you do now. The way it relates to menstruation is that, of course, there is a relational component to menstrual health. And often, relationships where we might be sharing intimate details of our menstrual health are with those we might be having sex with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, we also want to keep in mind extreme menstruation. We're talking Mm -hmm. about not just the regular flow, but when things are more intense. So that's my preamble. Now you two, Jer- Julia and Jeremiah are in a relationship. How did you two first foster the space to talk about menstrual health with each other?
0: Despite growing up in a context in which menstruation was not a topic on the table anywhere, very taboo. I have always, Generally speaking, been pretty comfortable talking about menstrual health. I didn't receive great sex education. I, I received terrible sex education. <laughs> that being said, my mom is a retired labor and delivery nurse, so at the very least, I got anatomically correct information. And my mom was decently open in talking about her menstrual health and what was happening. So. Not necessarily in the whole family system, but between my mom and I, there was an openness and I I feel pretty comfortable talking with partners or friends about menstrual health in general. I know that's not true for many people. I know that anxiety and vulnerability around this is quite high, but I have been able to do it. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes. Lead the way. Show us. Mm-hmm. Show us the way. So Jeremiah, how about you? Early education of menstrual realities?
3: Oh, early education of menstrual realities. Uh, not great. Oh. Okay. Um, I remember the only time that my family talked about it uh, was when my mom was going through menopause. Mm. Mom, and she experienced some uh, some significant pain for probably a year long period. Mm. Uh, but But my mom didn't talk about it. It was my dad who made comments and and, and my parents are amazing people. My, my dad also like hinted in some, some comments of sexism, unfortunately, when he was talking mm. about uh, my mom's uh, experiences of, of, of pain uh, through the menopause mm. process.
0: Mm. So, so
3: I didn't get a lot of information uh, about uh, much sexual, uh, sexually related really until about five or six years ago when I actually started studying to become a sex therapist. Uh, in regards to the question you asked Julia, like how do we talk about this in relationship? I don't know Julia that we create intentional space to talk about uh to talk about menstrual health, but I think Julia, you do a really good job at just telling me like what's going on in your body. Uh, mm-hmm. you'll tell me about what's going on in your body at large and and very often that's related to uh that's related to, to pelvic pain that's re- related to uh how your breasts are doing like what you're saying earlier mm-hmm. uh regarded to energy levels, hormonal levels, things like that. Uh, but I'd like to get into a space and a relationship where I'm the one that initiates those conversations, as 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 well as you initiating that information with me. So yes. the only
0: caveat I would say is that I think we have intentional conversations about our bodies and right. sexuality, so right. we don't necessarily have conversations about menstruation specifically. specifically yeah. But I appreciate right. that part of the normalization and part, well, part of the destigmatizing of menstrual health is normalizing it. Right. And although. Menstrual symptoms are different than what your body is experiencing. When we can take menstruation off the taboo shelf and include it into conversations about our bodies in general, uh, then it doesn't become as scary or, uh, like I said, taboo, Mm. shaming. Yes. Yes.
1: Great. And speaking of shame. Indoctrination. Great. We have to get to it. We have to get to it. Sex evangelical. and Sarah. I want you to. I mean, uh-huh. I'm curious from your understanding of, you know, where the church has played a role in your life and mm-hmm. where the sex evangelicals here have mm-hmm. played a role now in helping others mm-hmm. uh, unindoctrinate from the church. Yeah what What is your questions? I guess.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, I think we probably experienced pretty similar childhood. So I I didn't get that education either. And I've told the story on the podcast before about how I learned how to put a a super tampon in uh, when I had to go swimming. And it was terrifying. And my mom was like, here Mm -hmm. you go. And I'm like a 13 or 14 year old kid. And you're like, what is this? Where does this go? Right. It was no, it was, it was no education. It was just, this is going to happen. Okay. That was it. Maybe there was a book. Um, but I went to religious, I grew up going to a a Christian school, elementary school, and that wasn't discussed, right? It wasn't discussed. And, um, it's so harmful as we all know and how that can impact everyone around you, especially if it hurts. It's scary too. Like, uh, like if you don't, if you're not prepared and then all of a sudden you go to the bathroom, right. And there's blood everywhere. What can happen, right? Like there's, there's a lot going on there.
1: And coming from, because oh, I didn't, I didn't grow up necessarily adjacent to purity culture. Like I had to learn what that was. But mm. I would say that must impact. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. That impacts how people treat the shame around menstrual health as well as absolutely reality. Yes. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So, so you both have shared experiences there. Ben, what? And you both, all three of you, are now. Sex therapists. So something about growing up with that led to wanting to deal with sex a lot more or something. Like how? How did it get started? Was my question. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you use the language of indoctrination. That's perfect language. So when I grow when I grew up, I received very rigid messages specifically around gender, sexuality, and relationships. And of course, menstruation is a huge part of all three of those. Things. So, lack of sexual health education had some pretty devastating consequences on my growing up experiences. Uh, I also followed the dictates of purity culture. I got married uh, very young. I am divorced. And when I got married, I was anticipating that what the church at large promised me around sexuality would magically come true it did not and
3: spoiler yes.
1: Yes. Crazy well, what, what idea. do they promise what do they promise oh. what do they promise
0: oh, right right mm. uh essentially that if you follow all the rules of purity culture that you will have magical blissful sex for forever
2: mm-hmm. and oh so it's like a cheat code to like yes. get good
1: sex. That's the idea. Okay,
2: cool, cool. Do nothing and then it will be amazing.
1: Yes. Cool. It seems like practice would help,
0: but I get okay, sure, sure, sure. Right. And I, I didn't consider this double bind until several years later in sex therapy myself as a client, but there's also this messaging that as a woman You are less sexual. So I received this mixed message that purity culture was the cheat code to honeymoon sex and then the rest of your life as the best ever. And then I also learned that my male partner, of course, would want sex all the time, be mm-hmm. sexually obsessed, and I would be less interested. So I received both of those messages at the same time. And that's a real that's a real mind fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cognitive dissonance.
0: Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, better. <laughs>
1: No, well, let's say with language. Mind 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 fuck f- works. Let's be yeah. serious. Yeah. And no, cognitive
0: no. dissonance. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and mm-hmm. I've been a client in sex therapy. So each person, each couple has a different story, but that gives me a huge degree of empathy because I know what it's like to walk into a room with a sex therapist, especially coming from a religious background mm-hmm. and not only having shame around sexuality in general, but having shame around. My religious background that I didn't choose and wondering Mm. how is this sex therapist who is probably having the best sex life ever going to think about me and my lack of sex education and the terrible anxiety and distress I was having about sex. So Mm. whenever I have a new client and just in practice in general, I always remember that like vulnerable moment of walking into a room with a stranger to, to talk about sex, which is to go full circle, just not discussed along with menstruation in religious right. in the religious communities um, that uh, Sarah and Jeremiah and I were raised and/or indoctrinated in.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Julia, you got much more yeah. actual negative kind of fear-mongering sex sex education than I did, both both as a woman um, and then also the specific denomination that you were a part of. My Mm -hmm. specific uh, background had a hell of a lot to say about gender and Mm -hmm. and the performance of gender roles, which maybe we can get into later, but was actually pretty silent about the process of sex. So Mm -hmm. whereas, Julia, you were receiving a lot of the uh, information about uh, what what we referred to on the podcast as the the deadly sexual sins, according to the church, mm-hmm. don't have sex before you get married, mm-hmm. uh, don't be gay, those types of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like a lot of that was was silent, uh, body sexuality, just 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 not mentioned at all. And and mm. I grew up in the public schools uh, mm. in in Texas, uh, so um, there was the, the conversations that we had about sexuality were almost exclusively about STIs and and mm-hmm. pregnancy. Uh, Mm -hmm. With the implication that if we talk about this, we'll like scare you into the practice of abstinence uh, until, uh, until marriage, which, which I, by and large, adhere to actually. So, um, so one of the things that's important for me then is as, as someone who like loves reading, someone who get loves, like learning about the world, there's this whole like gap of, of information over the first, you know, 30 to 35 years of my life uh, Mm. that like, just no one ever talked to me about and mm-hmm. uh it's really important to me in in my work as a relationship therapist my work as a sex therapist to uh to to give to give as much uh accurate information about what goes on in our bodies what goes on in our relationships as we can mm-hmm.
1: so. yeah wait <clears throat> I have to go back to one thing that was said earlier, which is that when you sit down with a sex therapist, you know you're sitting down with someone who's just like having great sex. So is that true? You're all three sex therapists. When you're a sex therapist, do you just like have it? You just have a great sex life?
2: It ebbs not, and not flows. Necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Depends on what's okay, happening, okay. right? Just like everybody else. We just have extra knowledge that the yeah. general public doesn't. I mean, you go for right. it, you guys. Tell it, me what you think.
3: I would yeah. say that like, Julia, you and I have a good sex life, but it's not because we're sex therapists. Right. Right. It's because mm-hmm. you and I are intentional about talking about sexuality, talking about what we like with each other, talking about what we want, Um, talking a little bit about our, our our dynamic uh but 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 even then like like there's growth areas i i imagine that the way that we will be talking about sex and sexuality in the next 3 years 5 years will be like infinitely more helpful and effective than than what we're doing now yeah
2: so mm. yeah mm. I think, I I think, yeah, our our sex, My I've been with my partner for 21 years. And so our sex life absolutely changed because I was more open and able to communicate effectively while I was learning and understanding my own body. Um, Mm. But just like everybody else, we have stressors and concerns and low desire can creep in there. And as everyone knows on our podcast, I have, we have a tiny person and that energy just... can get sucked up real quick and I just want to go to sleep, right? Right. Or I'm just like, hey, I need to rest. And really honoring my body too is, in which I we were definitely, I'm I'm assuming you two were not taught this. I wasn't taught to honor my body and the capacity Mm. of rest. It was like, honor your body because you need to be pure for God and Jesus, not anything else. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And to link that to menstruation, even over Mm -hmm. the past couple of days, I'm at this spin class and I... Again, can I love an intense exercise. And even some of those shame messages around yeah. mm-hmm. don't rest came up. Oh, yes. and, and then I was thinking about our podcast today and thinking about, I also know I'm ovulating. I'm also like hearing my body tell me to slow down that that's mm-hmm. what it wants and that's what it needs. Uh, and I certainly didn't grow up with any sexual health education around menstruation, even though I had anatomically correct language, but that doesn't include uh, Mm -hmm. the bulk of menstrual health. And so I didn't learn that my body would feel different at different times of the day or different times of the month. And then that would dictate Mm -hmm. uh, different things as an individual. And then if you're in any kind of partnership structure, different things sexually, different things, Mm -hmm. emotionally, different things, conversationally, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm -hmm. I I would say the only thing I learned uh, just kind of coming from that was that we could blame PMS, right, for our mood shift, but that was it. It wasn't, hey, listen Mm. to your body and what it needs. It's, oh, I'm being bitchy because I'm PMSing and it was an excuse versus an understanding.
3: Well, and Sarah, men also use PMS as a way oh, sure. to dismiss yes. wo- women in this all the time misogynist, sexist mm-hmm. kind of way.
0: Yes. Yeah. And what's interesting is I I know that this is something that you had mentioned in a question later, but I, I think that there's been this overcompensation in some ways, in the sense that, uh, PMS symptoms have been so weaponized in sexist and misogynist ways that sometimes folks are less able or willing to say, actually, I am experiencing this hormonal shift, and that is causing me to feel different emotions, that is causing me to have uh, a bodily physiological response. And so I wish that there were a way to uh, talk about PMS symptoms or just menstruation in general without mm-hmm. weaponizing that uh, in the same way that it typically has been historically.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the round of applause
1: enter here. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. do that sometimes. We'll just have that entered here. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that was maybe related to how is it problematic that the church sees periods as shameful or period pain or in general something to do with that. And, and could we speak a little bit more of that as someone who did not grow up in the church? I, we've yeah. talked a little bit about what is taught, but what what is problematic about what is taught? What is it teaching young menstruators that we want to – that you your work is fixing, if yeah. you will?
0: That your pain doesn't matter or it doesn't exist. And those are right. two different things. They co, um, there's a Venn diagram um, in which they overlap, but also your pain not mattering or your pain not existing are also different. And by not talking about sexuality, by not discussing menstrual health, In correct ways, that's what we communicate to menstruators Mm -hmm. of of any of any age.
3: Right, because when we look at like church history, for instance, there is a lot of uh, precedence around talking about menstruation and menstruating women and the process of kind of exiling uh, Mm -hmm. menstruating women in particular Mm -hmm. ways in the name of uh, Jessica to use what you said in the name of quote purity. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the past in the ancient world that was maybe connected a little bit more with 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 sanitation with public health but but now in the 21st century and over the last four or five six centuries like like that's not an excuse anymore Uh, we have public health we have sanitation services to to, uh, to navigate that so um so so i would say that the 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 Christian writers and, and we study American evangelicalism and and Pentecostal um, histories. Um, there's actually nothing that is said about uh, about pain, about menstrual pain, about pelvic mm. pain. Mm. Um, it's it's pretty exclusive to the the um, the historical practices of of excluding uh, women uh, during their uh, during their periods. Uh, mm-hmm. So if even going back to like Levitical law, Leviticus 15. Mm-hmm. Talking about uh, women who are menstruating uh, are to uh, are are to go through this purification process, which later down the line in the Talmud, a thousand years later, involves like being excluded from the community mm-hmm. during during mm-hmm. that process. That's something that's still practiced actually in uh, Eastern mm-hmm. Orthodox and, and yep. in Russian Orthodox
0: traditions
3: mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. interestingly evangelical uh christians as, as much as they fuck things up at least uh, women still get to as, as, at least women still get to worship while they're menstruating that's positive. at the
0: very at the very good least. job
3: the yeah. yeah
0: yay Praise you get team. one you get one
3: yeah. but, <laughs> but, but again like that to go back julia to what you're saying like there is nothing there's very little if anything written in in christian tradition about menstrual pain So speaking again about the silencing. Mm -hmm.
0: Sure. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about blood earlier today because menstruation involves blood and this might be a reach, but I was thinking about how particularly American evangelicalism has a pro military perspective. And when we think about, uh, men and people who don't menstruate uh that the the blood of men is this thing that we right. honor mm. that we even worship and, and even
3: the blood of jesus is this, this transfer of into Christianity sure. as sure well. but yeah. we don't
0: want the blood of women to exist and i'm th- and i'm thinking about other ramifications as well i'm very open and talking about having had two pregnancy losses which is a part of menstrual health and mm-hmm. there's a lot of blood mm-hmm. and i remember yeah. when i had um when I had my first pregnancy loss, um, what I knew about pregnancy losses was that you bleed. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that you bleed a hell of a lot. And we don't want to see the blood of women, but we love or in people who menstruate, but we love the blood of men.
3: Ooh. Mm. And, and, and the language that we put around the blood of men. Uh, that it, that it's sacrificial, uh, right? The that, mm. that these men like fought for for what they stand for. Yeah, like like, like the, the the meaning, the narrative is is 180 degrees different uh, from from the language given around ministerial blood.
0: Yes, mm. and this is a less. This is a less painful example, but I still think has some interesting cultural implications. I've had two experiences, one with Jeremiah, one in a different context in which I was staying in some sort of Airbnb and uh, and, and uh, got blood on the sheets. Mm-hmm. And in one context, I sent the hosts a message and said, um, what happened? And thinking about extreme menstruation, this was after um, a copper IUD was implanted sure. and there's a lot of blood a lot oh. of blood so much
2: um, blood there's so much blood yeah
0: I mean it looked like a murder scene it was it, yeah. was it was bad um and I'm like oh no the hosts are gonna think I killed someone that's probably what's gonna happen I like need to make sure they know a murder didn't happen so I sent them a message and they had a lovely response and they said oh you don't know owe us anything we have to replace sheets for all different kinds of reasons and I thought that was such a lovely response and then at a different context mm. Jeremiah and I went to an Airbnb a much smaller degree of blood was on the sheets. Maybe, um,
3: maybe an inch radius. I
0: think due to menstruation, but I'm not sure. Blood happens for a lot of reasons. Right. And uh, the host asked for $300 of reimbursement. And if I am ever in the hospitality con- like um, business, if, if Jeremiah and I ever do a retreat center, which we've talked about, I will have the strong value that I would never charge a person, especially a person menstruating, uh, for blood on the sheets because we bleed and sometimes we bleed a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that we should punish menstruating people or pregnant people or people who are bleeding for any reason.
1: You don't ask people not to sweat on sheets. Right. It's right. Naturally occurring right. blood. Naturally occurring blood is flowing. It's not unnatural a, a as the male blood examples from mm. war. It's naturally occurring blood that might happen, like dirt on the ground. Yeah.
2: Right. right. And, or
1: or shedding your hair. Like all of these things that right. happen with our body. I mean. <coughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, um, Julie, would you be open to, I just want to, because our listeners were always about diving into the extreme symptom aspects, the, when you said it's a hell of a lot of a blood with pregnancy loss versus, for example, the time in the sheets, different time, but hell of a lot of mm. blood. How much can we just quantifying or like oh. visualizing or an amount of time Gosh. that you are bleeding?
0: Yeah. yeah. So thinking about pregnancy loss, um, you receive uh from from the hospital if you can um like medical grade um like um they're not maxi pads but they're essentially like mm. a medical grade maxi pad um and you at least i and many people do um you might bleed through one every one or two hours, uh, for a long period of time. Uh, and and those, yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the hospital version of the maxi pads can hold quite a bit of, quite a bit of blood. Uh, with the sheets from the IUD, I don't know how much blood there was. Uh, and, and I was, not really joking when I said it looked like a murder scene. I remember waking up and the sheets were wet. And I remember mm. actually being a bit scared because the extent of the blood was so, mm. so extreme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I was today years old when I learned about the PBAC, the pictorial blood assessment chart, which is a way that... Th-
0: okay
3: yeah yeah. okay I I don't know know. I I, I was 10 years old too
2: that's my yeah Oh. oh Oh, Jay, explain it. But like, this is the hemophilia stuff. Like that is like, I was yeah, gonna say, no yeah, had, Sarah, do you want uh, yeah. to? I feel like I'm still no. a newbie. Uh, so it's it, okay. And you can totally correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I, I <laughs> yeah. realize you probably have some information right in front of you, but this is how we oh, yeah. um, <laughs> teach our young menstruators to measure what is coming out. So it's by use of how many pads or how many tampons are filling up within a certain amount of time. So when you talk about, uh, am I, Accurate to what you're reading, there. you're totally. And I just wanted okay. to add because it is—it's this compelling
1: matrix that's been developed to yep. help assess because it is so challenging to actually contain, contain yeah. the volume or yeah. to count right. the volume. But in order to understand extreme scenarios, it's a necessary part of the process for diagnosis. Anyway, right. so it's—it's sure. it's about how many pads you fill within how much time, pads versus tampons. They've now in added the cup. Mm-hmm. What, size. what size? Yeah. But there's like, like a mathematical part so that uh-huh. at the end you get a number to help you determine you're where you're at. And it's called the Keyback for short, pictorial blood
2: assessment chart. It's the best thing we do. I did not
0: know. Wow. We'll link it
2: we'll link it. the It's really, it's a really interesting tool. And I have, you know, and I think I've shared this before, but I have clients that are like, oh, my period. And I'm like, okay, well first, even before I did the show, I'm always like, because I have hemophilia, I'm always listening for people talking about their periods and if they're extreme. And I finally, just this week, just on Monday, convinced a client. I'm like, please, please, please. Like, I will send you the link. This is what you need to say. You need to go get tested because bleeding for multiple weeks, feeling super, tampons so quickly is not normal, right? Like this is not, okay, something is up and it's, it's, you need to be tested. We need to see what's going on with your clotting factor. Um, And it's, it's a lot. So it'd be, and I think it's hard, like those, I'm imagining Julia, you got uh, what they give us after we give birth to those super crazy pads that are just they are like diaper pads, but like they are—they are, se- they are yeah, almost
0: like, a diaper, almost. But, not, but you put them inside your underwear, but they're bigger right. than your underwear.
2: Yeah, it's it's <sighs> it's wild. It's a wild time. But that compared to a sheet, because like the sheet is going to like spread. But I had that that copper IUD, and I know what you're talking about because that is yeah. a wild experience. Uh, and as a bleeder, it was it was very extreme for me as well. So,
0: yeah, okay. and. I don't, I don't quite know how to say this. I'm thinking about how we don't talk about menstrual health in general. We right. rarely ever talk about extreme periods. And it's almost like you only have pain if it's extreme, and mm. we also don't want to hear about it. Uh, and so what I... Um, what I will never say moving forward is easy pregnancy. And I don't think that language of like easy menstrual health is like helpful either, because then there's this connotation that like women are supposed to be in pain and people who menstruate are supposed to be in pain. Uh, so that's the default. And if mm-hmm. you're not in pain, then it's an easy menstrual menstruation or an easy pregnancy rather than still something that's physiologically very intensive.
2: Every time, right? Every time, even like yeah, every, every time, every month, if you're menstruating in every pregnancy, no matter what the outcome, thank you for saying that. I think that's a really, really important.
0: Right. And I was afraid it was going to sound like a minimization of pain. And as I was talking through it, I was thinking, mm-hmm. actually, what it communicates is that pain is the default for menstruation or pregnant people or people who bleed for other reasons. Right,
1: right. Mm. Yeah, an attitude towards pain in gender roles is different as we are prescribed it here in America, anyway, where we are recording from, and all raised in within the borders of. So, and I, you know, you mentioned gender roles earlier, Jeremiah. I am curious mm-hmm. both of how the church led into certain ones being prescribed versus what was revolutionary about realizing those are not the necessary status quo.
3: So the best way to talk about this is when I was a little boy, I was seven. And I had a, uh, I was part of a, a, Bible, a Bible study, a small group. And at any given Wednesday, there were anywhere between eight people, 20 people. Um, and very often I was the only, I was, I was the only boy. I was the only penis owner there. Uh, my dad worked. Some of the other men worked, uh, or <laughs> claimed to work. Uh, sometimes, as I later found out, with my dad. Uh, mm. Good on him. Fair, fair. Mm. Um, yeah, get out of there! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whole other I won't criticize. Episode. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. So, All right.
3: so we get to the Bible study, and and this is actually where where the my, my church didn't have much to say about sex. They had a hell of a lot to say about gender. The women who the adult women would say, "Well, Jeremiah, you're the boy." Uh, you're the penis owner. That didn't say penis owner, of course, because heaven forbid anyone would say penis. I would get right. run out. Um, you're the boy. So you have to lead uh, the, you have to lead the songs. You have to read the scripture. You have to uh, lead the prayer because women can't do this.
0: To all these adult to all women.
3: These, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have like five adult women like telling me this. <laughs> and like... You know, good thing I'm a good person because in, in like the wrong character situation, like that's how you develop narcissists. (laughs) Yeah. Is that you empower these, uh, the, in this case, these boys, you don't give them consequences. You tell them Mm -hmm. people will like bow down to you essentially. And then you start believing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of the extreme example of how like gender roles got played out. The expectation that. Uh, that, that boys, that men are that they lead things, that they run things, that women play passive roles, um, mm-hmm. and that carried all the way over uh, through church leadership into what Julia, you and I study now, and in, in, into sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a multi multi million, like like nine digit, 100 million, $200 hundred million dollar uh, publishing industry, uh, the Christian publishing industry that. Uh, is centered around uh the proliferation of these gender roles specifically okay. regarding sex you know that that men are uh, expected to be the dominant ones uh that they that they have the penises so they are like the ones who are like inserting uh mm-hmm. their their penis into uh the the woman's vagina because that's a the only way sex can happen in these contexts and and b like women are expected to be passive recipients
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um you know so so learning that while also trying to be like a decent human being, like at, at some point, like there's enough, there's enough conflict uh, between the two ideas that like, I, I I couldn't stay a part of that community anymore. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and Julia, you and I both have pretty strong personalities. Uh, and, and so like, one of the things that's been really neat about our relationship is figuring out together, like, you know, what are ways that we want to work together to solve problems that it's not just on me as the man. Um, and I can't expect the, the, the uh, female partner to, to sit back. Like both of us are, are, are really smart. Both of us have our own like strengths. And, and how can we build a, a relationship based off of that, mm-hmm. based off of what we're good at, based off of what our, um, based off of what our interests are, our passions are uh, those, those kinds of things. Um, so as it pertains to, as it pertains to menstrual health, it gets back again to this idea of purity, mm-hmm. uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, menstruation is like representative of, of, of like the curse of Eve. Uh, right. I did hear that, uh, growing you up. You did. Yeah. But I did this too, is, actually. Yeah, but this is the way that, that, uh, women are punished. Uh, now eating they have, an apple. Eating an apple. I know. For, from, you know? from, from a, from a snake. <laughs> what uh, the heck? and not What pagan nonsense. I yeah. I know. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so yeah, that would, that would um, be.
1: Yes. And pain and pain by gender, like women feeling pain versus men feeling pain.
3: Was that at all prescribed? Um, Pain wasn't really discussed. Hmm. Uh, there there was gender. the pain. Really the pain that was discussed was the pain of Jesus.
2: Okay. <laughs> oh, always.
3: always. Um, oh, loved, so like, loved our really, good crucifixion. Yeah. Yes. Super. Yeah. So de- poor Jesus. Um, Did you say I was so going to say
1: sadistic? It's pretty oh, sadistic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like Hellraiser. Yeah.
0: And like Christians don't like the kinky people, but I'm like, y'all are obsessed with some like sadism and uh, masochism. Uh-huh. 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 Sure are. Sure
1: are. Yep. Uh, oh,
2: yeah. Right. That's a great way to put it. I like it. Yeah. The
1: blood, you were talking about the blood of Jesus, and it's so funny because it should be like the blood of Mary who had like a magical baby or and, something. And, like and, the there Mary, the yeah. and there are definitely right. menstrual blood.
3: And there are cults that are, or there are little, pra- I said cults um let me try again. there <laughs> yeah. are small groups of people who um of women who have tried to reclaim uh periods uh by by venerating mary magdalene mm-hmm. um this a group in france that i was reading about earlier today that that does that so oh wow um, Interesting. well mary
1: magdalene yeah. or virgin mary or both marys right marys. both both both, okay. both marys yeah. mary mary
3: mm-hmm. Quite
1: contrary, yeah. um, this also brings up speaking of gender roles, but and marriage. And I think you said something earlier. I'm so curious about Jeremiah that sex before marriage and where that fits into mm, sexual uh-huh. expression in sex in, in evangelical.
3: Right. Influence. Well, so the whole idea of 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 abstinence only is uh, education. So so not having uh, sex before you get married. First of all, the expectation is that that is limited to penis and vagina sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that That doesn't include or talk about uh, other types of sex uh, between two people, oral sex, uh, uh, masturbation, uh, digital stimulation, anal sex, any of that. It also assumes that sex is going to happen between people of the opposite sex mm-hmm. um, as opposed to uh, and, and, and silences uh, folks who uh are who who are seeking same-sex uh either relationships, sexual experiences, or both. Um and one of the things that happens when you stop talking about something or when there are mandates about not talking about things, uh one, when you stop talking about sex, there's a whole bunch of other things that you don't end up talking about too. Uh, and that includes but is not limited to menstrual health. Mm-hmm. Uh includes but not limited to pain. Uh, to, uh, to able-bodiedness, disabilities, things like that. The second thing is that the more that you put limits around sex and sexuality, the more people are going to like, explore it, the more that actually creates eroticism, the more mm-hmm. that creates desire. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we find this like American history, like this is the whole purpose of the prohibition period um, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and, the, and the creation and development of moonshine, right? Mm-hmm. Something similar happens with sex and sexuality. Uh, when you um, when you silence sex, you are are encouraging people to 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 make explore, moonshine. but also That's right. to it's make great. moonshine. yeah. But yeah. also, but also to make moonshine without any sort of directions.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. right, of course, yes. Like you you mm-hmm. have to
3: figure it out um, through ex- explicitly through experimentation, through uh, through 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 porn, through all these other things. So, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like having a more. Uh, Explicit structure about um, about sex education, which includes everything from um, correct anatomical uh, body parts Mm -hmm. and and physiology, and being able to to use those language, uh, communication skills, negotiation Mm -hmm. skills, pleasure, um, etc.
1: Okay. Yes, but so and so in evangelical present day, or in Pentecostal, is that the right denomination that is that you two or with this, what is prescribed as the attitude towards sex before marriage?
3: Don't do it. Don't do it. There it are, right. there are, there are um, eternal consequences for people who do it, that, that sexual sins are seen as, sins, quote, are seen as the most severe.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And there, there tends to be like two different ways that don't do it gets played out. Multiple ways, but two dominant ways. One being you do everything except penetration because sex equals penetration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just everything else on the table but you're Mm -hmm. a good virgin if you don't. Or if you're like me, you grew up with this like hierarchy and competition around purity. So the women in my community Mm -hmm. who were like most revered were the ones who were saving their first kiss until marriage. Or like the the progressive ones who would be like, well, that doesn't seem like a great idea. So I'm just going to wait till I get engaged. And that's like very progressive of me. Uh-huh. Um, so there's either the like everything but or like a competition, of course, among women and women, because only two genders in the church, the competition around women being like the purest that you can be.
2: Wow. Julia, would you say that, that while you were in it, you recognized the competition? Because I Gosh. am... I am thinking back and know of an adult who waited until the altar for her first kiss and yeah, but I don't think that, they would have used that language, that it was a competition of purity. I think it was like, I mean, obviously you're outside of it. You understand it now in such a different, a a different, different capacity, but I love that. I, you know, that language, because that's what it is. It is a competition, but I am not sure. Like I'm thinking back to these people and the relationships I had, I was there. I saw it. I watched it go down at this wedding. Um, But yeah. What do you think about
0: that? Yes. And no, I also grew up in, a very insular community. I wasn't okay. technically homeschooled, but I was essentially homeschooled. And the <laughs> the reason that this relates is because I had only two other um uh, girls in my grade and then women. And uh we were the golden 3 and I was acutely aware of how the three of us were pitted against each other. Mm. And so In that sense, I was somewhat aware of the ways that evangelical communities reinforce patriarchy by pitting women against each other. In Uh terms of sexuality, I was somewhat aware, but it wasn't until leaving that I saw the extremeness of the purity competition.
2: Uh Makes sense. Mm. Makes sense. Oof. Yeah,
1: wild. I do. I sort of dropped into you playing that character who waited till engagement, like, is very proud of herself. Julia. Oh yeah. I sure. Watch mm-hmm. a whole conversation of you playing all those characters.
0: Yes. What and a I, world. I I wasn't. I I at one point was going to be that person. I wasn't, but I still was. I still thought that the ways that I was approaching sexuality with my now ex husband, I really had the idea that I was very progressive and evolved in my mm-hmm. views of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I tell this story quite a bit. My first session in sex therapy, great sex therapist, God bless Nancy, Nancy McGrath forever. She asked me about my growing up experiences. And I said, well, I basically grew up in this weird cultish community, but I don't think it really impacted my sexuality all that much. <laughs> and then I like think back on that and I'm like, she was such a great sex therapist. I believe she's still practicing. And I just nice. wonder what was going on in her mind and like the patience like, uh-huh. and kindness mm-hmm. and intellect to like mm-hmm. sit with that and be like, oh,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tell me some more about that. Yeah, <laughs> Interesting.
0: What does that mean to you? Yeah, I can see all of those questions. But here I am oh in sex God. therapy, like deeply distressed about my sexuality, but I don't think it's about my growing no. up experience. Nope.
2: Nope, oh. doesn't relate
0: back to that at all. Nope.
2: Oh my gosh, I love. <laughs> oh, that's a- sending love to younger Julia. Thank, you. yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's helpful sure. to look
0: at it with both humor and sadness. There's definitely yeah. grief, but as we know yeah. in you know the field of sexual health, that we have to laugh about some things.
2: I mean, if we don't. <laughs> Sex is funny. Sex
1: is very funny. <laughs> Sex is funny. But yeah. back, back to what what cracked you open, Julia? Or what, what shifted it? If you said you were kind of in it, was there something or is there a catalyst mm-hmm. or was it a slow build?
0: Slow build, because I would say the language that's often used is deconstruction.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: for lack of a better word, my deconstruction did begin in college um, and I was a year younger than most of my peers, but it really took... The disillusionment around marriage and sexuality to like break uh, the last wall or if this were a Jenga tower in college, pieces of my worldview kept getting dislodged, let's say mm-hmm. around primary, primarily politics. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And even sexuality to a degree, you know, I became one of the progressive people who went to opening and an affirming churches eventually. And so I thought that meant like I had healed all of the mm. wounds from evangelicalism. And then it was getting married, getting disillusioned, having really terrible, distressing sex, even with a wonderful, lovely partner. And that was the last Jenga piece that, that felt- caused the tower to crumble. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sex matters. And so Mm -hmm. recentering all so many conversations around sex and where you are now, what is it you hope to um, like share to our listeners today? What would, is there anything you'd like to like share with them who might be on an earlier part of their journey?
0: Ooh, it's a great question. Mm -hmm. Good question. You can go slow.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, What I hear from a lot of people and what I experienced was like now when I start, when I started receiving language and resources and tools, I had the thought rightfully so that I lost so much of my life Mm -hmm. and I wanted and needed to reclaim it. And there can be a lot of pressure that once you step outside, you know, the church walls that you, you just like the church says, you know exactly how to, Uh, engage sexually, you know, what's happening with your menstruation, Uh, you know, all these things, and you've got to experience them right away. And it takes a lot of time. And that's okay. Mm
3: -hmm. And I would add, particularly for listeners who are uh, religious, who are involved in some sort of religious community, that talking about sex, and especially talking about comprehensive sex education, Um, So talking about Mm -hmm. consent, talking about uh, honesty, like, like really paying attention to what it is that you need, being able to communicate that, Uh, Mm -hmm. talking about mutual pleasure and moving out. We haven't even talked uh, so far Mm -hmm. about the idea that, um, you know, religious uh, sexual experiences have been almost exclusively about reproduction.
0: Yeah.
3: And so like moving out of that idea, hey, that that sex is pleasurable. That that conversation inherently is going to move you forward in some capacity in the deconstruction. Uh in in try it again. That that conversation will move you forward and and really impact your relationship with religion in some sort of a way. And so um so I would echo, Julia, what you're saying about uh going slow, taking your time, that there's a lot of things that there's a lot of layers uh, to the onion that we pulled back. And sometimes that's uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll be in spaces. I have had my experiences with this. I know you have too about like, how the hell did I miss this?
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, but,
3: but, but be kind to yourself. Uh It's, it's not your fault that you didn't pick up this information no,
2: right? um,
3: about, about sex, about bodies, about menstruation. And um yeah, to, be kind to yourself be gentle with yourself during the
0: process yeah may i add one more thought that's more specific about menstruation please um so especially in the sex therapy world there are some new trends towards (laughs) language around divine masculine and divine feminine which is essentially a repurposing of christian language but with like this new age progressive thing and And then I see within the divine masculine and the divine feminine, this like glamorization of menstrual health and Mm -hmm. that you, you know, you put on your white dress and you dance around in a field and like you are empowered and like you are bleeding, but it is like God. And, and just like Mm -hmm. hold on to that divine feminine. And the other thing that I would add is like, You don't need to feel empowered on your period. If you do, then that's great. Good for you. But the repackaging of the divine masculine and feminine, and then the implication that both glamorizes and sanitizes your menstruation Mm. is pretty damaging. And so, you know, like curl up in bed and like eat your ice cream like that's fine and enjoy it and like and then yeah and be like well it sucks but like i'm at least going to like get the ice cream yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and the chocolate
0: so you don't need to be empowered on your period i would say that would be the one thing i would add more specifically to menstruation
2: yeah and no need to fight through it we talk about that all the time like we're not gonna fight through it like just chill the fuck out like Eat the ice cream. Yeah. I like Eat the ice cream. Eat the ice cream. Yeah.
1: Ice cream. yeah. <laughs> it's real. It's just real. It's reality is the most mind-altering drug, right? I think the yeah. woman said that. But it's just like, it's just what's really happening as opposed to light chasing. Well, there's a comedian we've talked about a lot. Just as- get back on that horse. You're fine. Like, you know, what if you don't want to get on the horse? <laughs> right. You just want to focus on bleeding. Yeah. That's
2: valuable too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get
1: your heating pad.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love a heating pad. There's literally one right down there. I love it so much.
1: Oh, love the tools of the trade, the trade being mm-hmm. bleeding or hormone flow, because even some of us who do not bleed yes. have hormonal flow, mm-hmm. even including Jeremiah. We didn't get to talk about what it's like as a man to have hormones in a daily flow versus a monthly flow. We didn't get to talk about pleasure and sex. I feel like we have more to talk about. Perhaps we'll have to have a part 2 a mm-hmm. return to the convo, a deeper dive. We're We'd getting close that. to our time. So I just want to make sure mm-hmm. is there anything else for this episode that you'd like to share or add?
0: normalize the straight talk. I was reflecting on our hiking experience. We hiked 500 miles this summer. So it was over six weeks. So I had my menstruation. I'm not, I don't do social media, but Jeremiah does and a lovely person that we hire. But Jeremiah was experimenting on threads. I learned what that was over the summer. And I told him, I was like, I want you to quote me on threads. And I would just say like more menstrual talk from Jules. So one of them was about like sneezing out my tampon and then- (laughs) Like, and then, like, hey, PSA, any hikers who menstruate and you know when you're in a torrential downpour and then, like, your pad and your tampon are, like, soaked with blood and water and it's just, like, extra heavy, like, good job hiking menstruators. So, you know, just, like, talk about the everyday experiences. Like, who hasn't sneezed out a tampon at one point? Like, who right. hasn't? Love I that. mean, when those things are
2: full, they're coming right out, you know? You're like
0: Right. <laughs>
3: Being able to laugh, absolutely.
2: it's it funny. Like <laughs> yeah. it's hilarious. I think it's yeah. hilarious.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I like to think of it like inking, like an octopus. Yeah. Like, yeah. just like
0: yeah. octopus. yes. Yeah. We always- I love that.
3: <laughs> so yeah, just just finding ways to to laugh. I was uh, reading. I wanted to share this um, in the in the Talmud uh, there, which is um, written in the, uh, the the third century there is a, a section uh, that is written to women. Mm-hmm. And uh, if women sees a snake, if, if women sees a snake, she should, and I quote, take some of her hair and her fingernails and throw them at the snake and say, I am menstruating. <laughs> Wait,
1: I'm sorry. Is this really happening? This is, is that really, really in this in That really is really in the Talmud, in the
3: holy, in the Talmud yep.
1: We need that. I'm going to go reenact that. I'm going to go find a snake (laughs) just to reenact that. Thank you for letting us know that exists as part of a holy scripture. God says to do it. Okay.
3: I was cracking up in the library reading that this morning. Um, I'm I'm petrified of snakes. (laughs) I love that. And so, Julia, next time we see a snake... Uh, you better if, if get you your could. hair and your nails ready.
0: I don't yeah. mind the snakes. As a woman who ate the apple from the snake, like I'm yeah. totally Bring cool it. with the snakes. I will I will throw my hair and Fake fingernails you. at it. Thank you. Oh. No, even if I'm not menstruating, I'll just say that just I am. Say it. Yeah. Snake
2: doesn't know. Snake doesn't know. That's a fucking reptile. It doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you for that I really want that on a t-shirt yeah Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) which the the picture of like a person throwing it at the snake Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. All right,
2: let's get on it merch merch for you yeah every time every once in a while we're like that needs to be on a shirt yeah
0: yeah thank you thank you for
2: that I appreciate that so good cheers well we'll be back with more with the sex evangelicals
1: obviously in the future and more next month with a running coach stay tuned for more flow Flow is produced by Bloodstream Media and edited by Kay Vermeil. Shout out to Flow's creative director, Amy Board, and hosts Jessica Richmond and Sarah Watson. New episodes are available the second Thursday of each month. Hey, that's the day after I start menstruating.